Sego, if you like what we're doing here, if you support the show and you want to give support to the show, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash let's talk native. And if you do so, we'll provide you some exclusive content and some things that uh, others aren't going to get when you get it. So support us by going to Patreon. Yahweh. Let's Talk Native is produced at the LTN Studios on the Cataraugus territory of the Seneca Nation. We break all the rules for native media by peeling back the layers of assimilation and indoctrination. No prayers, no buffalo speeches, and no spirituality shows. While this podcast does not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do take a tough look at history, oppression, and our survival. But the real goal here is to bring our people together by breaking down what separates us. So, welcome to Let's Talk Native with John Kane. Hey everyone, welcome to Let's Talk Native. I am John Kane. Um, look, we're hearing a lot of buzz about uh, the need for unity and coming together and and tolerance. And, and I got to tell you, I'm not against unity. I think the idea of people trying to you know come together and 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 uh, you know rally around their their common interests and that kind of stuff is, is great. The word that I have more trouble with is tolerance. Now, and I'm not saying that everybody should be completely intolerant. I just think that there has to be a place where we have to figure out when we tolerate something, are we giving it a pass? And now, look, uh, I, you know, as, as you know, I I get involved in the in the the mascot debate, you know, where non-native you know schools towns are using native images for um, for their their school mascots, and and look. There's no way around it. It's it's a mockery. I mean, you, you basically got white people, you know, playing Indian, and you know, and so they, you know, they adorn them their their uniforms or their helmets or their gym floor with you know with these images, and and they begin to develop this strange. I mean, and I, I call it fetish, you know, being fetishized almost, but they they this strange obsession or connection to the to this image and this happens with native people more uh, with native images more, i mean i never heard anybody talk about being a panther when they're 40 years old you know but you know there are people that will still cling to this stuff and and so this this obsession becomes um it gets to the point where it, it's a little creepy but you have people who who may believe that it's that it's peculiar but they tolerate it and nobody ever calls out, you know, gets called out on this stuff. And, and I bring it up because, you know, specifically one of the battles that I'm going through with, um, uh, with this mascot issue is my old high school. And the, the conversation has been among some of the school board members. Well, maybe there's a gray area. Maybe there's some common ground. And this is this idea that somebody's going to promote this idea that, well, we can tolerate a little bit of racism, you know, we get into this debate of what, what is the mascot itself is the word or the image racist. And some of them are, I mean, you take the Washington football team, it's, it's, you know, previous name, you know, is a racial slur. Um, some of the, the buffoonery that's associated with some of the, the images, you know, like, the, like the Cleveland baseball team. Yeah. That's, that's racist. I mean, and, and, and I think it does clearly cross a line and many of the people who will, 
um, who are still fighting to keep their high school mascots will say, oh, yeah, well, you know, Washington, that, that crossed the line. Or, or Cleveland, yeah, that crossed the line. And they'll try to maintain that theirs is dignified. And so they ignore the fact that it's not just whether the word or the name or the image or, you know, or, you know, red face or, you know, all that stuff, whether that stuff is, is you know, crosses a line and, and it does, but the very idea of using a people uh, who, who you are not, <laughs> but using somebody else's culture somebody else's history, especially after you, you know, mix it up a little bit, you mash it up, you, you change the narrative, you make it sound like, oh, these were such noble people. They're so no such noble people, what, what you kill them for? You know, so, what, so you get the, this, the sense from a bunch of people that, that if you do it right, you can uh, adopt a racist practice like using Native people for mascots. And I'm, I'm, and I'm just using this as an example because the word tolerance comes in. You know, the question is, should we be tolerant of, of somebody's view that may be a little racist? And, and where it comes down to sometimes is this notion that I can participate in a practice that might be characterized by some as racist, but that doesn't make me a racist. And, and you know, and I even walked that line a little bit. I said, look, I'm not saying all you people are racist because you have a native mascot. I'm saying the practice that you are engaged in is racist. And so, and, and, I've, and I've seen this parsed out before where people said, well, you don't have to be a racist to do something that's racist or to, or to have a, you know, uh, you know conduct yourself in a racist manner or to, you know, say racist things or have racist thoughts. And I'm thinking, I don't know. <laughs> can you, can you, you know, I mean, and, and does this get, kind of get back to that, that issue of tolerance? Oh yeah, I can tolerate racism as long as it doesn't affect me or it doesn't, or if it doesn't hurt somebody specifically that I know, I mean, this gets down to this word of tolerance. And look, when I hear about diversity training, you know, and I, and I hear about, you know, oh yes, we're a very, we're, we're a very diverse community. We, uh, we, we teach tolerance. Well, I'm thinking as a native person, I don't want somebody to just tolerate me. I'm like, look, and in fact, if you find me offensive because I take a strong position on stuff, then then don't associate, then don't put me into that category as, well, that's just somebody I'm willing to tolerate. I mean, because that's not a compliment. It's not certainly not a compliment to me, and it's not a compliment to you either. So I think we have to get to this place where we where we do draw some lines. You know, what are the things that we are willing to tolerate? And and when we tolerate something, are we accepting it? Are we, do we become complicit? Because that's really, really comes down to it. Martin Luther King, he thought that the, the most dangerous people uh, when it came to the advancement of, of, of freedom and uh, inequality for, for black people weren't, wasn't the KKK. It was the moderates. It's the ones who, who thought social order and peace was more important than correcting a problem. So, well, let's, you know, this, this is where you're going to, you're going to come up with other solutions to, to address racism than confronting racism. And, and in, in, in Cambridge, the school that I, that I went to, what we're seeing out of a couple of board members is, is this, this, this desire to, to keep it so nice and to play so nice that you don't offend anybody. And look, and, and to, to a certain extent, let's be clear. 
The ones who are afraid to confront an issue are really afraid about their standing in the community. It's not because they, look, they they may also be very tolerant of racism. (laughs) I don't want to let them off the hook that much. But the way they're trying to characterize their um, their view on this is, well, but, you know, we, we can't have a divided community. We, we can't, you know, uh, have anybody feel like outcasts. So maybe there's a way and, and a school close to, to Cambridge where I went to high school is, a, is another town called Mechanicsville. And Mechanicsville called himself uh, called themselves the Red Raiders. And they've been debating this this whole mascot issue, too. So they decided that they're going to strip away all native imagery associated with their mascot or their logo or whatever else. And, and they're just going to call themselves Red Raiders. I don't know what a Red Raider is. I mean, but I, I have to admit, the first time I ever heard that expression, I didn't know that they were talking about native people. It wasn't until I saw logos that, that showed, you know, look, the, the Oakland football team is the Raiders and there's, is kind of like a pirate or something like that. So, I mean, I didn't automatically assume that when somebody said Raider or even put the word red in front that they were talking about native people. I knew what, what, when they said Redman or Redskin or Savage or even Warrior, I knew what those, what they were saying with those things, but I didn't know that. And, and then, so then when I realized that all of these schools who would, who had used this, you know, this name, this moniker, um, Red Raiders, that they, that they were all, basically meaning red people, native people, and, and, and that they were, you know, these people who raided, you know, poor white people. I mean, that, that's the imagery, right? I mean, in many ways, the name Red Raider is worse than Redmen or Redskin. I mean, and those are pretty bad. I mean, those are pretty bad because they essentially reduce a, a human being down to the color of their skin. But Red Raider does that and... It associates them with this criminal activity or this barbaric activity of, of, of raiding poor, you know, poor, innocent women and children, white women and children or something. So, you know, so Mechanicsville, they, they found some middle ground. They decided, okay, we're going to, um, we're going to keep the name Red Raiders, but there'll be no suggestion that when we use it, that we mean native people. They're just going to have a, their logo is going to be an M for Mechanicville and they're going to be good. The Mechanicville Red Raiders with no feathers, no tomahawks, you know, uh, and that was their solution. And you know what? That's, that's some bullshit. I mean, <laughs> look, if, if the reason that you you're getting rid of it is because it, it's always had this connotation uh, associated with native people, you know, just stripping away some some of that imagery isn't really isn't really an adequate change. So, I mean, this is this idea. Well, we can tolerate a little um, racism, and and we're going to, you know, we're going to find some common ground there. So that's what that's what Mechanicville did. And so when I hear Cambridge now, there's they're the Indians. What's the middle ground? Keep the, the word Indians and, and have Gandhi be your logo, your mascot. I mean, come on. I mean, there's you can't do the same thing that, frankly, even Mechanicville wasn't that successful with. This is this is that problem where, where people are so afraid to confront an issue, and 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 so they 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 preach or they promote this idea of tolerance. Tolerance is not respect. Tolerance isn't even acceptable. I mean, it, it, it isn't even acceptance. It's like, yeah, I can put up with it. 
Yeah, I, I don't like it, but I can put up with it. Now, look, when you're talking about, you know, um, from a medicine standpoint, yeah, somebody can be tolerant of, uh, you know, uh, a um, when they, a transplant or something like that, or, or they can be tolerant to a medicine or whatever else. But that's not <clears throat> that's not the same thing as this. This is where you are literally saying you don't have to like it. You don't have to respect it. You just have to tolerate it. And, 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 and I, I find it particularly offensive, especially when you're talking about with children. And, and let's be clear. These board members who are somewhat indifferent about how it's going to affect their standing in the community, they aren't really concerned about what's happening with the children because then there, there would be zero tolerance. I mean, and now zero tolerance is, is a tolerance that I can understand. And this is where you say, no, we're not going to have any of that here. So how do you suggest you're not going to, you have zero tolerance for discrimination, but you are going to find some middle road on, on how you deal with a race-based mascot? Yeah, it, it's, it's difficult. I mean, it, it's actually, no, it's impossible. So what you do is you, you compromise and you become complicit. You become those moderates that, that um, Martin Luther King talked about. So, if you aren't prepared to, to draw a line and, and say, no, we're simply not going to tolerate um, a, a racist activity associated with our school or associated with our community. And it goes beyond the mascot issue. I, I bring that up because this, you know, I got a little, little bugged uh, after hearing about the, the latest board meeting and, and some of the capitulation that was coming out of, you know, a couple of the board members. You know, look, I'm not feeling like we're we're not going to win this this little you know mascot battle. We will. I mean, but it, it's just it really is shameful. You know that that you can have people who, um, I, I don't know who who are just so gutless when it comes to you know to to taking a stand on something that you don't have to be the one to determine that the behavior is racist. It's already been done for you. There's been uh, you know studies that have been done there's been you know education secretaries that you know the you know both at the at the state level at the at the federal level there's been UN commissions on this stuff we've had every native organization that's you know that's that's expressed any view on this have made it very clear that they they think it's it's a in their view it is a racist behavior so you as some some white woman on a on a school board you don't have to Look, you don't have to determine whether the practice of using a marginalized people as a mascot is racist. That's already been worked out. It is. I mean, that the, the, what you got to work out is whether you're going to promote tolerance for that, and and that's where that's the position you're going to take. Now, again, this this idea and this concept of tolerance it doesn't just stop with this. We as Native people, we part of what we have gone through in you know, this 500 year genocide was what we were willing to accept and tolerate. And, you know, and this is where we get into this, some of the identity crises issues, you know, what are we willing to, um, to tolerate when it comes to things that are, that are clearly meant to harm our communities. And I'm not talking about skin color. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not talking about you know gender preference. I'm not talking about you know fashion statements. I'm, that's not the tolerance that I'm talking about here. I'm talking about how far are we willing to go 
to um, remove ourselves from some of the very principles that define us in, in terms of character and identity. And you know, I've, I'm getting you know, I've got the uh, the, the two row wampum uh, uh, illustrated behind me. How far are we willing to you know to step out of our uh, off our path and uh, and and lose track of it and lose track of who we are? And, you know, we get into this this debate with you know, with everything from enlisting in the armed forces, or at least I'm willing to get into this debate, um, voting in, in the non-native elections, running for office, uh, you know, the, the careers you choose and, and, and that kind of stuff. I mean, what are you really advancing? Look, you know, even a simple thing like, like uh, you know, administering a, a, a Facebook page or a website, what are you willing to tolerate when people post that, that people post on your page? And when you are willing to tolerate something, what are you saying about what's what you're being a, providing a platform for? So, I mean, you know, I there, there are some things that that I am not a big fan of showing up on my page, so I remove it. And it's not because I, I, you know, I hate the content or or I hate the people who are, who are posting it. There's a lot of friends that I have that that are post something, and look, if if I came across it someplace else. Yeah, I might take an interest in it, but I don't necessarily want it on my page. My page is supposed to be about native issues. My page is supposed to be advancing um, the struggles that we have. So, look, I don't do a whole lot of, you know, pictures that objectify native women. I don't care how beautiful they are. <laughs> you know, so I don't do that. That's that's the stuff that, while, you know, I, people are free to do what they want to do. I mean, dress the way they want to dress and that kind of stuff. But... I don't have to provide a platform for it. So we this this discussion about about tolerance it I think we all have the opportunity to create a standard for ourselves. And and that standard it may change. I mean genuinely we learn things over the years. I'm not saying that that everything that I that I believed when I was 16 years old is what I believe when I turned 60. And but but so what do we from from a morality and an ethics standpoint, how do we maintain you know something that's true to ourselves? And and I think this is the debate. Look, I, I get into a conversation oftentimes with uh, about uh, people who want to claim to be native, for instance, and you know so this idea of pretendians or apples or you know whatever frauds, <laughs> the, 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 uh, wannabes as they call them. You know, I if somebody tells me they have native ancestry. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily call them out on it, and and I assume that they they believe that. But when somebody says that they're native or they're part native, that's where I, you know, what does that even mean? I mean, do you? So and, and when I, we were battling um, Lancaster over the mascot issue, in fact, one of the one of the board members says, "Well, I'm I'm part native." I said, "Really? What part?" You know, I, I give this the smart ass answer right off the bat, and I said, "But do you practice the culture?" I mean, are you, are you, do you have family that, you know, that lived in a native community that you frequent from time to time or maintain some sort of relationship with? Do you, do you understand any of the aspects of the, and she, no, no, no. I says, well, so you're not native. You, you just, um, have some native ancestry or so you've been told. Yeah. Well, you do understand the difference, right? And see, this is what we have. And anytime we get into a debate about something like, like the mascot issue, we're invariably going to hear somebody say, well, you know, I'm part native too. 
and I'm not offended by it. Well, you don't speak for native people. I don't care if you believe that you are part native or you have, and, or if you, even if you have native ancestry. Because if you are not living as a native person, I don't care how, whether you're 132nd or whether you're, you know, the full blood. If, if you have really moved yourself so far away from, from native people, your family, your ancestry, your culture, your territories, if you've removed yourself that far away, I don't think you get to, to, to speak as a native person on issues that native people are confronting. And, and, and especially if you're clearly going to side with the, uh, that take the non-native side of the argument, and you think that your voice gives permission to that, and, and that's, you know, and, and that's what we have, right? We have that debate, not just as it relates to mascots. We, again, we have it, um, that debate over, over politics. We have that debate over military service, over spirituality. Again, tolerance. How much, I mean, how much do we accept that the, the damage that was inflicted upon our people by the church, you know, from the very beginning especially you know as diseases were being spread intentional and otherwise the fact that the that religion was used to you know or disease was used to try to convert some of our people murder was used to convert some of our people i mean crucifixions were used and and uh you know massacres were used to convert our people into that belief so when you understand that 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 some of this these uh, these religions were imposed on our people at the end of a sword or a gun or a rope. Today, should we be tolerant of those uh, of those belief systems when that's the way they came into our territories? Now that we we have equipped ourselves with a little more ability to have choice. Look, even Onondaga, that that wanted to pray, you know, you know, promote itself as the the most traditional community in the in uh, of the Haudenosaunee territories they have more they had a whole bunch of churches there i think they had four five six churches there in fact a couple of native kids burnt uh, burnt one of them and, and went to jail for it and you know the and look i'm not promoting the idea of you know arson <laughs> uh but you know this i heard some of the old timers you know, some even some of the old chiefs like uh, you know Louis Farmer, who says you know one of the biggest problems we have here in Onondaga um, is is the, are the churches. But they became tolerant of them, and so you end up in every community. You end up with a bit of a of a rift that exists, and that rift goes all the way down to this idea of spirituality and and, and religion and and uh, what they believe in, and of course. Then some of that stuff starts to come in even into the, the non-Christian belief systems. I've talked about funerals and I've talked about how, you know, we hear people talking, crossing over to the sky world, you know, just creating a, a native version of, of Christian heaven or, or Christian hell. I mean, uh, we, we allow these things, this idea of good and evil as prescribed by, you know, by religious beliefs has infiltrated our our story our creation story when we talk about the the left-handed and the right-handed twin i've talked about this before this is another example that rather than understanding the the difference between the left-handed and the right-handed twin according to the story it gets pitched as a good versus evil thing and we tolerate it 
You see, we we allowed that to come in, and and this is what we have. I mean, many of the the code of Handsome Lake, Garrio. There's no question that that there was major Christian influence there. I mean, some people believe, you know, who who are, are believers of this religion that you know that people associated with with Handsome Lake, that that Handsome Lake saw the Ganoida as Jesus Christ, and we tolerate it. Now, look, and I know. There are people who um, who promote the code of Handsome Lake who don't believe that, but they become tolerant of the conversation, and so you have to be in you know don't know where you stand. I mean, I, I've I've heard some people say it very matter of factly that uh, you know that the code of Handsome Lake you know is is proof that we were you know um, that we were Christians. And that the Ganoida was, you know, was proof that we were we were Christians before Christians came here. And there's not a strong enough rejection of some of these concepts. And and I'm not saying rejection because you have to be hateful or are angry or or we have to, you know, to be intolerant of those um, shifts in thinking and culture is not a terrible thing. I'm not saying you got to reject somebody because they're a Christian, but I think we should become a little less tolerant of how these things, you know, to, to how these things um, alter our, our identity and, and our, and our belief systems. I mean, look, we get inundated with these new agers and, you know, you know, part of this, even some of what took place last week at the Capitol with the, with the Q shaman and whether he is, appropriating some native imagery or not. I mean, regardless where you come out, you know, come with all that stuff. There's no question that our communities oftentimes attract people who come to our territories who want to promote, you know, you know, promote themselves as, as allies when they're really the, some of these new age spiritualists who, who, are, who want to gravitate and pull some aspect of native culture and then create something different from it. You know, so yeah, they're gonna they're gonna burn sage and, and tobacco and and they're gonna adorn themselves with with you know with with, with wampum and, and turquoise and everything else, and the next thing you know, they're they're putting out on uh, on sweat lodges, and and they're and they are the ones dancing out and uh, at powwows and that kind of stuff, so. That may sound really, really great to be intolerant or to be tolerant of, of, of you know people in different cultures and the, that kind of stuff. I'm I'm very tolerant of other of other cultures. I'm just not as tolerant when it comes to the idea that you're going to try to affect mine with your belief systems. Have yours, and I and I re, and I can respect yours. I can respect somebody being Christian, even though I don't respect what Christianity has done to Native people historically. And even, you know, fairly recent. I mean, the residential schools, those things only shut down in the, in the 70s, 1970s, you know, in, in, the United, in the United States and in the 1990s in Canada. These were government-funded, church-run organizations that had a, one main mission in life, which was to assimilate and to wipe out any aspect of Native culture and, uh, and identity from, from children. No, we should not have been tolerant of that. But those things existed because we were tolerant. All right, hey, we're at the bottom of the hour. We'll, we'll take a break and we'll come back and we'll, we'll go a little farther with this one. So 
This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. We'll be right back. Hey, thanks for coming back. Um, hey, let me remind people that we are primarily a podcast here. Yes, we, we put video of, of the, the programs on, on YouTube and on Facebook, but we, we are primarily a podcast. And you can find us on any of the major podcast platforms. So you can, you, you can actually go to Linktree slash uh, Let's Talk Native. And Linktree, you know, to punch it in, it's, it's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Let's Talk Native. And you'll find all of the um, the links to to the platforms that carry our podcast and 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 you also find the link to um, to our, our YouTube channel as well uh, I encourage you to, to to check out the podcast and uh, and subscribe and then you'll you'll have it you know you'll you'll get notices you'll you, you once you sign up you'll get the RSS feed uh, you know to your phone or whatever else and uh, and then you don't have to watch us on on Facebook or YouTube <laughs> you can just listen to the podcast so um, by all means I, I do want to encourage people to you know to check out our podcast uh, we do have some changes coming Coming forward, and uh, and I think some changes that'll make the make it a, perhaps a little more listenable. I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll give it a shot and see what we come up with. But uh, we have some changes coming forward. Um, so I, I again, I want to remind people that that we are primarily a podcast. Uh, we also do a radio show in in New York and in Washington D.C. But we're we're actually creating a little bit of distinction between Let's Talk Native and what is now resistance radio that is uh, both in New York and Washington. So um, uh, just, just kind of giving people a little heads up on, on where we're at, I guess. Uh, speaking of where we're at, um, I, I was talking about COVID-19 quite a bit and with, with so many other things in the news and so many other things happening, um, it didn't go away just because I stopped talking about it. Um, in fact, the United States is crossing the 400 thousand mark for the number of deaths you know so and and again you gotta be clear no other country and and i'm not saying every other country is you know has had the level of transparency that the united states has and we can debate how transparent that is but uh, no other country has experienced this massive loss of life and you got to attribute some of this to the incompetence uh, in government both at the federal level and and at the state levels but 400,000 people have died. So all of you who said, well, this is no different than the flu and all the deniers who want to say, you know, that your know, mask wearing is too inconvenient. 400,000 people have died. And that's, those are confirmed deaths, deaths that are, are directly attributed to having the disease. It, by many estimates, there are at least 100 or, or 200,000 more people who died because of COVID-19. And when I say because, what does that mean? Well, they didn't go to the hospital, even though they had chest pains. So they died of a heart attack. They didn't die of COVID-19, but because COVID was so rampant in hospitals, and this is what New York City had, had experienced, there, there are many people who are avoiding medical treatment, needed surgeries. You know, there are a lot of decisions that people are making because of COVID that have, been, that have resulted in loss of life. And 
And I firmly believe that there are far more than 400,000 who have died because or, or died with the disease. These are just the ones that, that were tested and confirmed to have the disease and, and, died, of, uh, and died of it. So it's, it's, it is a big deal. And by many estimates, we haven't peaked out on this thing. Yeah, I know they developed a vaccine. The rollout's been terrible. But we're seeing the death rate, you know, that is going in excess of four, you know, 4,000 people per day. And that still can go up. You know, much, much of the, de the death rate that we're seeing today is not from Christmas. It's from Thanksgiving. And, you know, and now, look, we're, we're doing all kinds of things. We're, we're sending uh, tens of thousands of people down to, uh, from, from our communities to storm the Capitol, most of whom were wearing masks. I, I don't mean we literally were sending people, but we, we know the people from, from every community, um, every state, you know, had, had some other people go to the thing. We're, you know, we're, we're having a real difficult time um, living with, uh, with, the, with the precautions that we need to live with to, to, to see this disease fade away. And so it's not. It's not fading away. So, um, again, these are, these are scary numbers. Uh, they're going to get worse before they get better. I know people are uh, optimistic that the the vaccines are going to help. And, you know, frankly, I'll get a vaccine when it becomes available to me. But here's the problem. We don't know how long your immunity will last when you get a vaccine. Will it last three months, five months, six months? A, a flu vaccine you, you get every year, right? So... This is gonna. This is a difficult one. So I, I just wanted to mention that because I haven't talked about it much. And and look, native territories and and other peoples of color, black communities, Hispanic communities, they have been hit harder than anybody else. And even here on the Seneca Nation, um, we haven't gotten a lot of news about this. The Navajo, because they are a, a more populated and more vast territory, they are getting a lot of attention because of of the death rate and the the you know, the spread of the disease. But if you compare the numbers, amounts of infection and the amount of deaths compared to the overall population, Seneca Nation, where I'm living here, is probably doing, you know, probably has numbers that are, are as bad, if not worse, than what Navajo Territory has gotten. And, you know, it's not, the sheer volume of numbers may not be high, but but as a percentage of the population. So, yeah, we're, we're concerned. And, you know, and, and, and I'm hoping the vaccine will, will have its effect. Look, I miss a lot about what I was able to do a year ago that I, that I haven't been able to do for, for almost a year now. I mean, look, I used to go to New York every week and do, and do a radio show. I used to host events. I used to do speaking engagements. And, you know, and, I, and I hope to return to that, stu that stuff. And I, and I hope that to return to a life where this isn't you know, what's always on your mind, uh, you know, who the next person is that's sick. And I've got family members who've gotten it. So, uh, not here, but in, in other states. So it 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 is it, it's concerning, and and I just want to mention it because I don't want to think because I'm not talking about anybody thinks because I'm not talking about that somehow I've dismissed it. No, I look at the numbers every single day, and yeah, and look, I I may obsess over the numbers a little bit, but I look at the days that you know that where there's over three hundred thousand infections in a single day or over 4,000 deaths in a single day. I look at where the states are. I've got family who live in Pennsylvania, my daughter and her kids. So I look at the Pennsylvania numbers. I look at the Texas numbers. I look at the California numbers because I have family members in all those places.
So, yeah, I, I, it's concerning. Um, if not terrifying, it, it is concerning. And, uh, you know, and I don't, I don't see life going back to the way it was before this. And so I think we, we have to figure out what is going to be, you know, how much do we learn from this? And, and I don't mean just learn in terms of technology and how we, you know, we communicate with each other and visit with each other and that kind of stuff. But, you know, how do we understand the fragile nature, you know, in order for life to have, you know, even began on, on this planet, it, it required a special set, set of circumstances. And sometimes along the line, just like when, you know, when you're you know, in, the, in the uterus here and you're developing as a fetus, you know, it only takes a very little to go wrong that can affect a, a life and, and a, a quality of life. And, you know, it doesn't take much to screw things up. And it just seems like we, as, as a species, uh, th throw caution to the wind. And we don't think twice about, you know, how much we're screwing up the planet. I mean, look, we're in mid-January here today, and I don't know that we've had a sub-zero day yet. I don't, I, you know, we've, we've had a little bit of snow in December, but, you know, this is among the mildest winters that, that we've ever seen. That's, that's climate change. And we still don't want to take ownership of it. So, you know, we, we should recognize the things that we need to do to, you know, preserve a quality of life. I don't mean preserve, a, a, you know, a, a status quo of life, but a quality of life. I think we need to understand that there are things that we need to change. And, you know, it, it get, gets back to the question of, of tolerance. Look, I understand that, that life is dynamic and that it does change. And we have to be acceptance, uh, accepting of, you know, some of the, the changes that, that, you know, life throws at us. But, we shouldn't be tolerant of those who are willing to, to put a, place us all in jeopardy. And so whether we're concerned about whether our culture is in jeopardy, whether our, our identity is in jeopardy, whether our lives, our water, our air, our land, you know, this, these are the things that we, we need to have a, we, we need to have standards. And I'm not saying those standards can't change, but they shouldn't be allowed to be dropped um, w w without some, some thought. I mean, look, we talk about critical thinking. We should understand what is dangerous. And, you know, and as we get into, you know, whether it's a business or whether it's, you know, um, a, a belief system, you know, when, we, when we decide we're going to advance our education, are we, are we gaining knowledge or are we losing knowledge? I mean, this is, this is one of those debates. Look, I, one of the things that's going to come out of this whole COVID uh, experience is going to be, are people going to look at higher education the same way? I mean, are people going to spend thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars for for a college education when they realize that they, they could get the same quality education by, by opening up their laptop? I, you know, or, or, or some semblance of it. I, I, maybe you can't get the same quality, but things are changing. And, and I think this is the stuff that we have to be, we need to understand stuff. And, and while I'm not suggesting that we have to be intolerant to change, I think we have to understand that this idea that it is incumbent on us to be tolerant of all change is something that we have to be a little bit more worried about. And you look, at, again, we're, we hear a lot about unity. 
every time I see somebody post on social media, well, the problem with Native people is that they, they haven't unified. Well, look, white people haven't unified either. I mean, they, Catholics and Protestants were killing each other. They basically believed the same thing. They were killing each other over the small, minute details of difference between their... their, their, their well, that, they weren't killing each other over religion, but religion is what, 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 you know, what defined them. I mean, we, we've seen, you know, in the United States, the amount of divisiveness and factionalism and, uh, and division that exists is, is incredible. And so when people talk about unity, I mean, it's, it's really strange that some of the people who can be the most abusive and the most intolerant, when their backs get put, pushed against the wall, they say, well, no, we need to, we need to promote unity. <laughs> Give me a freaking break. You know, so as I look at, you know, the 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 tactics that that the political right has used, and the the weakness that is that is demonstrated on its face by by the left, I'm not going to you know promote the level of tolerance that the uh, that some are saying. And this is where you get to this idea of moderate, right? And back to what Martin Luther King said. Look, I think having a standard, I have no problem with being, having, being a standard bearer of, uh, you know, of the left or a standard bearer of the right. Because at least you know what people stand for. And I don't mean right in terms of you know, just um, white supremacy. But I, I mean, if you are a conservative when it comes to things like finances and, you know, and that kind of stuff, or if you're a liberal when it comes to social you know, justice causes and that kind of stuff, I can appreciate all of, all of those positions. But what happens is these things end, end up be, being twisted. You know, the ones who say they're conservative fiscally are only, are only conservative fiscally when they're, when they're attacking Democrats. The ones who say they promote social justice won't really go on the line when it comes to say, look, having an, a, an armed or militarized police force is dangerous. And, and now you're going to see the left and the right come together because now you've got, you know, not only do you have the right condemning the riots that they associated with Black Lives Matter or try to associate with Antifa, but now you got the left who's going to, you know, be, be again, up in arms and want a, more of a police presence and, and all that other stuff um, to, to combat the, you know, the Proud Boys and, uh, and, and these white supremacists. So all of a sudden you have the you have the, the the left and the right go so far apart that they meet on the backside. It's oh yeah, the answer is police, really. And this is where where it's difficult. I mean, I I don't think that they, they should you know stop all forms of protest, and I don't think that the police need to be more uh, more aggressive. Look, we can argue whether whether that the one cop who fired a shot at the at the the Capitol riots. Whether was it necessary? I mean, did it accomplish? You know, I mean, if if one shot was necessary, then why weren't more shots fired? Perhaps none of them. You know, the fact that, that the police kind of gave in at some point did that save lives? Absolutely, it probably did save lives. Now, I'm not saying those people shouldn't be prosecuted for what they did, but if we think the answer is always going to come at the end of a gun or a club or a nightstick or you know pepper spray or whatever else. This is what we've experienced as Native people. We've experienced this. The, the very aggression that some people are calling for now is what Native people experienced you know, throughout, throughout our history. We were, we were massacred, shot like fish in a barrel at Wounded Knee. 
They brought in the not just the the, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police against you know, my my relatives in in uh, Ganazadage in the Oka crisis. They brought the military. They had jets flying over. They had they had um, the navy in 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 the rivers, and and they had the army there against a small native community. I mean, this is this this isn't this is intolerable. <laughs> So, I mean, look, we better be careful what we wish for and what we allow us a, a specific circumstance to um, allow us to accept. I, I'm, I'm really concerned that, you know, that the recent events in Washington, D.C. are going to encourage a more aggressive police presence in many places. Look, the, the idea of militarized police, that didn't always exist. I'm like, our police were always armed and they were always aggressive. But it, it wasn't until black people started arming themselves, the Black Panthers in particular, that SWAT teams were developed. And this idea of using literally military equipment, weapons, um, that eh, the military no longer, we'll, we'll, we'll give them a new life with police departments. When they used to have SWAT teams, they were specific. They were a specific group of police officers that were trained only to go in where violence was already was already occurring. They weren't arming every you know every police officer with automatic weapons and, and these military grade you know pieces of equipment. No, there was it was very specific and used in a very specific way. When those people stormed into Brianna Taylor's apartment. They created the violence. There was no vi there was no violence going on there. They showed up, bashed the door, and and and, and created a violent situation. And and now, so we get all of this, you know, a year's worth of calling for defunding the police, and you know, abolishing the police in some cases. And now, you know, now people want to praise, you know, praise police and say, well, they should have done this and they should have done that. Um, I, I get, look, I think for most places, police don't have to have carry sidearms. I mean, look, I, I my son was, a, was a, uh, Seneca nation marshal. I remember when he first talked about, you know, possibly going to get a pistol permit. I said, you want to carry as a, as a, as a Seneca nation marshal? Really? Why do you want to shoot somebody? Do you think you need to? And, and so you get into this debate because if you have it on your side, if you're carrying a sidearm in a position where you're trying to promote peace, at some point, that option of pulling that gun out is only possible because you have the gun there. One of those police officers who was, uh, you know, who, who was uh, beaten and assaulted in, in the Capitol Police riots, he was so concerned as they had him down and they were stomping him on the ground that somebody was going to pull his weapon from him and shoot him with his own weapon. In fact, he, he said he heard them, them calling him that. That weapon that he had was the most dangerous thing. It wasn't the badge. It wasn't the nightstick. It wasn't, you know, it, wasn't, it was none of that. His gun was the most dangerous thing. And he brought the gun to the fight. And, and, he's, and he's lucky that somebody didn't pull the gun. He, he's also lucky, and he, and he said this himself, he thought about pulling the gun to defend himself. And if he had done that, he felt pretty strongly that they probably would have overtaken him and then they would, they would have been justified in killing him. 
in their minds, whether they, we, we can argue whether they really would have been or not. You know, so look, I've had plenty of guns in my life and I don't feel like I need to have a gun to protect myself. And, and I know many of you do, and, and I'm not saying you don't, but I certainly don't need to grow, go to the grocery store with it, you know, or, or a concert, you know, or any place else. So I don't know. This, you know, gets into this, into this discussion about the quality of life we want, we, we want to choose to live. And, you know, I, I see anytime there's something that happens, like whether it's a pandemic or whether it's, you know, political unrest or, you know, gross violations of social justice, we, we, we can, you know, we can degrade, <laughs> we can really go down a spiral that, you know, brings out the worst in us. And while I'm not going to sit here and, and you know, promote kumbaya moments for unity and that kind of stuff, I think we, we should remind ourselves sometimes, you know, what it is that we all want out of life. And, and if it has to come at the cost of somebody else, if your happiness, if your freedom has to come at the cost of somebody else's freedom, and it does, I mean, in many cases, it does. Look, there, we, you know, like, like much of nature, there's a certain harmonious competition that exists in life, you know, whether it's trees competing for sunlight or blades of grass or, or animals for food and that kind of stuff. Look, look there's, there's a lot in nature that um, creates a conflict, you know, not an insurmountable conflict, but a conflict that, that works its way out with a certain amount of balance. The most unbalanced part of creation is us. We are the unbalanced one. We're, we're the ones who are willing to kill at a vengeance. We are the ones who, yeah, who associate power and might and the ability to inflict, you know, massive casualties as, as a sign of, you know, of, you know, of greatness. I mean, I, I, I hear, you know, people talk all the time, the United States, the greatest power that ever exists, the greatest country that ever exists based on what the quality of life isn't even that great. I mean, it's, I'm not saying it's terrible. But it's not that great. And there's a lot of, look, the disparity between the wealthy and the poor could not be greater than what you see in the United States. And when, and when I hear somebody even suggest that the, the, the wealth and poverty disparity does not contribute to you know, a poor quality of life for those on the bottom end of that scale, I'm sorry, you're just lying. You're just lying. And, and this is, this is where we're at. I mean, this is where we're at with, with a lot of, you know, what we're, what we're seeing. I mean, and like I said, the, the, the disparity that exists shows itself during a pandemic. It shows itself in, in, in a court of law. It shows itself in, uh, in, in, in our affluence or the lack of affluence. We have, you know, as native people, we, we, really set right at the bottom end of a, almost every scale you don't want to sit on. And that's not because we were naturally predetermined or somehow genetically predetermined to be at the bottom of those scales. It's driven by, by American policy. It's, it's driven by racism. It's driven by this desire to, uh, to inflict conformity on 
on so many people that simply will never fit in with the standard that is that has been predetermined by whiteness. And look, it's not because many Native people can't, you know, abandon their culture and just live as a darker version of white people. But we have to abandon our culture to do it. You know, I mean, there's still, there's still to this day is a call to, to end the idea of Native people living on, on their own territories. And, you know, there, I've heard politicians for decades suggest that, oh, yeah, the, accept, the, the establishment of reservations is the worst thing that ever happened to Native people. No, I mean, that, that is a firm belief. And so this desire, this, this, this effort to continue a, a more tolerable version of genocide, one that is geared towards assimilation, one that encourages us to vote in their system and serve in their armies and you know run for their offices. It'd be, it, it's, it'd be great to think that there is a place for us in the United States system, in the U.S. system. Oh, yeah, Deb Haaland, she's going to be successful. She's an interior secretary. Is she really going to be able to affect change? Or is her position, you know, there is is the, the very idea of her being in that position because is it established because they don't want to affect change that is is that the change mitch mcconnell once told was once quoted as saying when asked about reparations you know, what do black people need reparations for they had a black president for eight years that was the reparation is deb halland the reparation that we get they're going to promote one person to the to you know this high plateau of of power and authority, if that's really what it is, and that's what we're supposed to accept as 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 you know the gift that we get. And keep in mind, very little comes to Native people, Black people, Hispanic people, that white people are you know aren't the ones who have to give it. You know, we're in the situation where we can't affect change without having the graciousness of white people help us to affect that change. This is, this is kind of where we're at. Hey, look, I want to thank you guys for listening to the program. I want to thank you for, uh, yeah, for allowing me to rant sometimes. Uh, look forward to doing it again. We'll be back in a couple of days and uh, look forward to doing it all over again. Thank you for listening to Let's Talk Native. Yahweh. Pressure be calling, left on my blessings. I feel like I'm falling. The birdie is back. Tell me I'm garbage. I'm going through something. That's why I ain't calling. Phone and progression is all that I wanted. The phone and affection. I summon and dub it. Cause bitch, I got problems on problems on problems on problems on problems on problems. I solve them. I run through the money. The pressure be calling, left on my blessings. I feel like I'm falling. The birdie is back. Tell me I'm garbage. I'm